It's me, Katrina Fortuna, again, being with you, sharing the Bungie Jumping for the Soul podcast platform. And this is episode number 14, and it's called Living in the Light. Living in the Light. Time ago, I traveled from New York City to Lake George, and that was when I was attending the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and Actress in New York City, and decided that I would leave the city for the summer, probably not go back to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, because I was very disappointed. It was a factory type energy for me of turning me out to be an ingenue, beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed, casting uh, on that focus, with that focus, and being a real actress, coming from my true creativity, did not feel that that was the mix that they were developing for me. So, rather disillusioned for sure, I jumped on a bus from the city, Manhattan, and went up to Lake George for the summer by myself, not knowing anyone there, not having a clue what would happen, but knowing that I had to take a step away and reconsider what I was doing next with my life, my acting, but most importantly, me, Katrina. And there I found a small job situation right on the lakeside, very popular, very happening diner restaurant type of thing. And there you could make a lot of bucks because they had a very long established all year round clientele besides the tourist and all that in the summer. I found a little Polish lady who had a rooming house a few blocks away. It was, of course, sparkling immaculately clean, very simple, reasonable, you could eat off the floor kind of thing. And there I was. And as time went by, I made friends at the restaurant, and one of my friends, Maureen, you know, she was somewhere else coming there to work for the summer. You know, a lot of young college or out-of-college type people for the summer crew in the restaurants, big time. And through... Maureen, I met many people. One of them was this guy that she was dating, that she was madly in love with. And he came into the restaurant quite often to see her and, you know, would sit close to where I, they call it a station, that's a work area that you're assigned to, and try to talk to me. But he was very, he seemed very arrogant. I knew he was very wealthy. He had a red Corvette that he flashed a lot driving down the main street of Lake George. And I just thought, oh, no, not for me. So obnoxious. Better her than me. Well, time went on, and I, my friends, my acting group friends from the Academy reached out to me. They're going to have a big party this one weekend, and would I come, and blah, blah, blah. So I was thinking about it, and I mentioned it to Maureen, and also I also talked to Marshall came in, and I tried to be nice and polite to him because he was, my Maureen's boyfriend, but, you know, I was very short and sweet with him all the time because I really did, I thought he was just so arrogant and so full of himself. 
But anyhow, I mentioned to him as I was serving him a lunch or something um, that I was thinking about going to New York to my schoolmates' get-together and all that. And he said, to you, oh, by the way, this coming weekend, that's the weekend you're talking about, I have to go to the city, and after the weekend I have some business to do. My father has a company in the city, and yeah, if you like, I can give you a, a, a drive. I can take you there to Manhattan. And I thought about it. I thought, well, I guess I could sit in the car and kind of deal and put up with him a bit and get a quick door-to-door -door practically ride. So finally I just said, okay. But I didn't say any more because I felt a little awkward about it and I don't want her to think that, you know, I was trying to put some moves on this guy or whatever. And off we went next morning early. The Cor Corvette's horn tooted and I looked out the window and it was him and I jumped in and very fast, you know, foot to the pedal, off we were, top down, early morning, flying to Manhattan. And he happened to be very gentlemanly and nice to me quite a bit in the car as we traveled and talked. And I was quite surprised because I was realizing that maybe he was like a real human being. He wasn't just this arrogant, full of himself, cocky, handsome, rich guy. So anyway, when we got to the city, I was going to meet my friends. The Merritt Academy is on... Madison Avenue, that's in Lower Manhattan in the 20s. And I told him I would hook up with my friends later. And he said, well, my family has, I'm staying at my family's apartment, my father's apartment, and I'll be out on business all day. So you're welcome to stay there and make your calls. And, you know, when you want, leave any time to go and be with your friends and whatever. But, you know, it's there for you. So I decided, okay. So he drove me to the apartment. And I went up, and, you know, it was beautiful doorman building, Upper East Side, all that stuff. And I found myself in this really beautiful space and by myself, and I thought, well, this is kind of cool. And as I was relaxing, finally I made some calls to where my friends were. They all stayed in this hotel, the Madison Square Hotel. It's not there anymore. But it was cheap, and many of the actors who lived out of town stayed there while... They were in class during the year because it was really dirt cheap. It wasn't great. It was kind of funky, but close and cheap. Worked for the acting group, so the actors. So they weren't in, left a message with the clerk on the phone. They were not in, called and called. And finally, late afternoon, Marshall came back and found me there, and he said, what's going on? And I said, well, can't seem to find them, and... They're not returning my calls or my messages. So he said, okay, right now let's just go to dinner. You know, it's around the corner. Not, It's very close. We can go for an early dinner, and then you can find your friends later. I'll take you to the hotel or stay here or not. Whatever you want, you're most welcome. And um, as I was getting ready to leave the phone, I left his phone number with my message to them. And my friends called me just as we were ready to leave, telling me that the party had been canceled and that they wanted, a few of the people had to go back home. They weren't around. 
And to me, it just like the whole idea fizzled out. It was like, oh, this is not happening. So I said, okay, I'm disappointed. Talk to you later, whatever. And I told Marshall, and he said, well, you can stay the night. If you want to go back up to Lake George, you go tomorrow. There's, I'll take it. There's a train or bus, but the bus is more door-to-door. Whenever you like. You know, there's extra bedrooms here, etc. So we went to dinner, and we had a fabulous meal at the steakhouse. It's quite famous. Not there anymore. It was called Manny's Wolf. His father used to go there and business uh, acquaintances and all that stuff and business meetings. And Marshall kind of grew up with it. So we had a wonderful dinner and went back to the house. And we started talking and talking and talking. And he, he really showed another side of himself, a real gentleman, really sweet, considerate. You know, like a really good human being. And I was, like, really shocked. And, of course, one thing led to another. And the next thing I know, you know, we're together in his room, in his bed, etc. And that's how it began. Really did not have any plan, any clue, any of the above would happen. But living in the light, the idea is that I was always looking for the positive, the light-filled answer or the lead of where to go that was light-filled or information. And, and so with him, with Marshall, I didn't know what was next. I didn't think about that. But I just felt a very good, loving connection to him right there and decided to just go with it. And when I got up in the morning he had meetings to go to and stuff and I told him that I you know he said please stay you know we could have the weekend together and then we'll go back and I said I wasn't sure so when he left again the thing with my acting group fell apart and I felt really uncomfortable about my best really good friend being with her boyfriend you know, was this interlude and sexual connection with him, was it really crazy and not okay? And it felt more not okay. So I decided to call his business number he gave me to reach him, contact number. And his secretary, the secretary put me through to him, and I just said to him that, um, he said, I'm really busy, and I said, well, I've got to go. I'm not staying, and I'll see you some other time. And he started to try to talk me out of it. I said, no, 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 i got to go, and that was it. My bag was packed. I jumped into a taxi, and uh, the door-to-door way was longer than the train, but that's the way I took it. That would take me eventually down up state through to Lake George, which is what I did. I went back. And it was late evening by the time I arrived because it's a long, many changes, many stopover trip from Manhattan to Lake George with the bus. I went back to my rooming house and I decided that I would not say anything to Maureen. There was no point to my friend, no point in that at this moment. And that I definitely would not see Marshall again in that way. You know, wouldn't do it. It wasn't right. It wasn't okay. You know, he was with her and she was with him. And 
It happened. No regrets, but that's it. And days pass, and Marshall would come into the restaurant and try to catch me and sit at where I was working and talk with me, but I pretty much gave him the cold shoulder, and I went home one night walking along the lake, and I saw him sitting, Marshall, sitting on a bench facing the lake. There's a walk along the wake, walkway. He was right on the lake walking path. And as I got close to him, I could see, you know, his head was down, you know, hanging down. He was sitting there, all slumped over, and he looked, when I said hi, he looked up, and I could see he had been crying. He looked really, really upset. And he started telling me, you know, I said, what's going on? As I stood there, and he said, go sit down. So very reluctantly, I sat down, and <clears throat> he told me that he got a call, his father just had a heart attack, was very sick, and that he would probably have to go back to the city, you know, and see him, and he didn't know what was going on and all that. So I tried to comfort him, and I saw this vulnerable, caring, loving of his father person. Again, another side of him that surprised me. And I said goodnight, and telling him I hope everything worked out with his father, things will be better, and left. And then <clears throat> from there, he went away, I guess, to the city, and I didn't see him. And he came back, and he started really hunting me down. Like after I finished work, he'd be out there, you know, hidden behind whatever, so Maureen couldn't see him, but to find me and we started being together again, and it got very intense. And finally, I had to tell Maureen and share with her how sorry I was, but that we were both very much in love with each other, and I didn't mean it to happen well. She was devastated, didn't want to talk to me. That was the end of that. And I moved into the house on the lake that he rented. <clears throat> he was managing one of the hotspot bars in town right on the lake called the station and um, the house was called the Grey God for whatever reason right on the lake this big old gray porched mini bedroom place that he rented with his best friend well not best friend but other friends from the restaurant etc and that's how we began and we became more and more in love and more and more attached and as the summer ended he asked me to come back and live with him in the city which I immediately agreed to being madly in love with him at this point and off the city we went and so the adventure started and eventually I moved into his apartment on Christopher Street in the village and stayed he was going to NYU law school and towards spring I started looking at other acting schools and thinking about where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. And um, we moved out of that apartment to another larger space in the village. And his, in that apartment, as well as Christopher Street, he had a best friend, Roger, that shared with him. So the three of us were now on Jane Street in this big apartment. And um, eventually Roger moved out and we stayed together. And from there, 
His father died. I went through the death, the funeral, all of that with him. And we moved to another space. His family business, he moved into the actual factory, the bed-making factory that he had, the parts for the beds that the father made, very successful business. And then built a house in Montauk together, and he started traveling the world. <clears throat> and at the same time, had many lovers besides me, because he just couldn't seem to keep his pants on. And eventually, I couldn't take it. It was Christmas Eve, I mean New Year's Eve. He went off to the Caribbean to think and be. And as he's telling me he loves me, I hear this woman calling out to my, in the background from the Caribbean hotel room. And that was it. So I moved to back. Decided while he was away, I would leave him, packed it up. He came in, tried to talk me out of it. I would have no part of it. And jumped on a bus with my little Yorkshire Terrier, Charlie, and went to Aspen. And there I had the most mind-altering experience. Because all the time I was in acting school and living in the East Village that year, before I went up to Lake George, my friends I made in the village, the East Village, had head shops, you know, with water pipes and hash pipes and incense and velvets and Janis Joplin music blaring and Jimi Hendrix. Flower power time. But I couldn't hook into it at that point. So when I went to Aspen, I met wonderful people. And this one guy named Donald, I was at a friend of ours condo. And they, the person that was my friend was in New York, so the condo was empty. And we spent the evening together as friends. He was just lovely. And he told me he had this purple passion, whatever it's called, uh, pill, acid, LSD. And um, I had been afraid to go anywhere near psychedelics. I was afraid that if I saw the real me, I would see that. I was really not okay, and there were a lot of things wrong with me as a soul. Just had a lot of fear about it. Well, with Donald, I've had such a beautiful time with him as my friend that when he offered this, it just felt like beautiful music was playing. I was in a beautiful space with a lovely, non-threatening, just lovely person. And I said yes. So I popped the pill, and I didn't think anything was going to be happening. And suddenly, the couch we were sitting on are all around. The music sounded like it was a heavenly choir. You know, I was in heaven musically. And I just smiled and smiled, and I felt such beauty and such peace sitting there. And finally, he said to me, Donald said to me, you should see your face. It's so beautiful. You look so peaceful, so happy. And he said, go to the bathroom and take a look at yourself. And I said, no, I'm, I'm afraid. You know, I don't know what I'll find. He said, I promise you, it'll be wonderful. So I did, and I put the light on and looked. And there I was standing looking at soul Katrina. And light was cascading like rainbow. Little spheres of dots were all over, you know, just 
rotating around my face in these beautiful, light, beautiful rainbow colors emanating out of me, through me, around me. I mean, it was like I was seeing God, but the God I was seeing in the mirror was me, you know, which was pretty unbelievable, meaning that I'm the God child. You know, I'm not the sole creator God at all. But And it was a breakthrough for me because my at last I could see that all the perceptions and unloving or judgmental and unkind things I thought about myself or fears or doubts or stress, it was gone. All was light. All was beauty. And the point of the podcast is I made the choice to walk through my fear, the fire of fear, to allow myself to take the chance, the risk, to be drawn to the light, living in the light, not talking about it, but making that step in the light. And that's when I got the great gift of true soul beauty and the vision and clarity of sight, divine sight to see myself through my third eye. Pino Grande. It was life-altering. I knew I'd never be the same, and I haven't been. I came back and rejoined my friend on the couch. We just stayed as friends. He stayed with me through the whole night till morning, till the trip dosage or intensity, you know, really got down to almost zero. And I think we went and we had some tea and some biscuits or a light breakfast somewhere. And so the point of this sharing for me is that I wouldn't have that light journey experience that I'm sharing to you right now. And that the world of psychedelic was not just about getting high and escaping. It was about going within to, to find out as a soul what was important in one's life, what, what, to get guidance, to get the healing. You know, there was a whole other aspect of the flower power time rather than just getting high and listening to music and leaving, drop it, drop in to your inner self and drop out was one of the sayings. Well, it was way beyond that. Time later, doing an acting project, the director was quite well known and I went to his apartment to meet him about a scene we were going to do, and and I walked in, there he was, Timothy Leary, the man, <laughs> the psychedelic guru man in flesh. And I was quite shocked because I had this meeting with my friend, the director, and uh, Michael, and uh, I, I didn't know he had been at Harvard with Timothy and, you know, Timothy created with other people the getting the formula, the right mixtures that was supplied to him for, with the LSD, taking the trip, and tripping and turning on the world was his thing. Timothy Leary took one look at me, and I was quite beautiful at the time, for sure. And um, he turned to Michael and said, how do you know her? And uh, he said, I'm doing this acting project. And I could see he... 
started to come on to me, and I started Timothy Leary, so I started to get very uncomfortable, so I just said to Michael, look, you're with Timothy, and you're doing your thing, I'll connect with you soon, and I just got up and said, nice meeting you, Timothy, and Michael, to be continued, and kissed Michael, gave Timothy a kiss on the cheek, and left. Wow, that was my oh wow moment in flesh person with Timothy. Yes, I could have hung out with Timothy probably because he was definitely coming on to me. But I was not into that kind of encounter with him or anyone at that time. I was in my own other thing going on with acting and other stuff. So that's the sharing for today. Living in the light. Making the choice to take the risk and to leave our fears, to leave our limitations, to allow the light to transform us from the divine and heal us and guide us and provide us with information and healing energies and experiences like I just shared with you, which was truly, truly amazing. So I love you. I share that divine light and love with you here in this moment. Lead me from the unreal to the real. Lead me from the darkness to the light. Lead me from the fear of my death and those I love and those I serve to the knowledge of mine and also immortality. Om Shanti, 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 Om Shanti, 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 Om Peace, 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 Victory to the Light, Jai Siyu Guru Maharaj, Jai, Victory to the Light, see you soon. Love, light, make the choice. Soul call, soul transformation now. Amen. See you. Life Coach Katrina Fortuna. You can send me messages here on Anchor. My Gmail is catfortuna, all one word, at Gmail. And we can have, if you want, some psychic time together, a session, a few minutes with me for free of your first time sharing with me if you're a repeat uh we just have time together so and my book is don't let me drift too far which you can google and order in audio or hardback and it's a journey that i made and make from the dark to the light love confusion darkness sex rock and roll addiction suicide to light to love, to healing, to service, to self-love, and serve and help others. That's kind of like gets looked at in the book. See you soon. Peace, love to you. Ciao, Katrina.